0: Dear Father in heaven, we thank you Lord for giving us the opportunity to fellowship with you once again. We ask Lord that these moments spent with you shall be indeed times for our souls to be refreshed and be replenished. Lord, please give us that manna and bread from heaven. Give us the water to drink that will give us life eternal. We ask Lord that the words which we will hear shall replenish our strength, edify us, build us up. And give us the grace and strength needed to continue our journey. We also pray, Lord, that you will grant us the gift of your Spirit. Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to rightly divide the word of truth. And these words which we will hear shall be for our blessing and edification and not for our condemnation. Please, Lord, put your words in my mouth. Let it speak forth things that will liberate, edify, bless, and strengthen In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 15 No Restraints I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew it because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 13 Eli was a good man pure in morals but he was too indulgent he incurred the displeasure of God because he did not strengthen the weak points in his character he did not want to hurt the feelings of anyone and had not the moral courage to, re- to rebuke and reprove sin. He loved purity and righteousness, but he had no sufficient moral force to suppress the evil. He loved peace and harmony and became more and more insensible to impurity and crime. Eli was gentle, loving and kind and had a true interest in the service of God and the prosperity of his cause. He was a man who had power in prayer. He never arose up in rebellion against the words of God, but he was wanting. He did not have firmness of character to reprove sin and execute justice against the sinner so that God could depend upon him to keep Israel pure. He did not add to his faith the courage and power to say no at the right time and in the right place. Eli was acquainted with the divine will. He knew what characters God could accept and what he would condemn. Yet, he suffered his children to grow up with unbridled passions, perverted appetites and corrupt morals. Eli had instructed his children in the law of God and had given them a good example in his own life. But this was not his whole duty. God required him both as a father and as a priest to restrain them from following their own perverse will. This he failed to do. Those who have too little courage to reprove wrong or who, through indolence or lack of interest, make no earnest effort to purify the family or the church of God, are held accountable for the evil that may result from their neglect of duty. We are just as responsible for evils that we might have checked in others by exercise of parental or pastoral authority as if the acts had been our own. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is No Restraint and we are continuing to look at the story of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Now, we read and left off with our devotion yesterday where we saw the Bible describing some of the evils that Eli's children did. Now, let us see Eli's response to this. 1 Samuel chapter 2, reading from verse 22 to 26 says, Now, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all these people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on, and was in favor, both with the Lord and also with men. So here we see something that many of us wonder then why was the Lord offended or why was he worried with Eli he did something about it he spoke to his children and the words he spoke to them were words that were sound were very forceful and clearly delineated to his children their error even telling them that they are their sin man can plead with man if there is a sin against man but when it comes to God that is not the case so Eli did something what was the problem that with Eli? what then did God find in Eli? That was a fault with him. We read that he did not strengthen the weak points in his character. So what was this weak point in Eli's character? And we read that he did not want to hurt anyone's feelings and he didn't have the moral courage not just to tell people what their sin is, but to rebuke and to reprove and to restrain the people who are doing evil, not just Hophni and Phinehas, he didn't want problem with anyone at all. That was Eli's problem. He did not want to hurt the feelings of anyone. This desire to always be at peace with all men is good but when it is secured at the expense of permitting disobedience to God, it is no longer good but it is ugly. Whoever does this is so selfish That they will secure peace at another person's detriment. A peace that is secured, while God of all persons is being insulted, is secured at a very great cost. To have peace with his children, Eli refused to hurt their feelings by permitting them to do just what they liked without restraint, but in doing this, he was permitting a great evil to others while securing peace for himself, so that his own feelings were still all right, nice and good but he didn't care that other people were being hurt by his children so when you look at the character of aaron you, of Eli, you see selfishness in it he cared not for other people's well-being who were being hurt his children were sleeping with other lady, uh, children, parents children the, the, the ladies that were coming to the services and not only that they were doing things that were offending god But as far as it was not offending Eli, as far as he has secured his own peace, Eli is fine. He was thinking of himself alone. How about those girls who were defiled? How about their parents? How about their prospects in the future? How about them? Was he thinking about them? He wasn't. He was thinking of himself. He loved peace and harmony. And we read that he became more and more insensible to impurity and crime. And this is what will happen to those who do not speak up when they are in position to do so against the evil that they see, you soon start justifying it and you become insensible to it. The more you see evil and keep quiet about it, that's what happens. When sin comes the first time, it first revolts. That is, people revolt when they see something that is abominable and evil. But then, when you keep quiet about it, very soon, you become insensible to it. It's now normal. It happens all around us. When somebody is doing something is wrong, the first person who does it, they may even see it as a crime and punish it. But very soon, as it is permitted more and more, and people get accustomed to it, they become insensible. And if you follow your senses instead of living by faith, you stop seeing it as wrong. There are many things we should see as wrong, not following our senses, but living by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? Because the word of God said it is wrong, then call it wrong. I have in my own senses things that I do not react to because it has become so popular and I don't sense I don't feel any abhorrence towards it at all many things I don't see any abhorrence in it but these things are abominable in God's eyes does that mean now that I should not rebuke the thing because I'm not sensible to it no I don't live by feelings or by sight but I live by faith therefore I can say regardless of how it is that in all the world around me I see people cross-dressing ladies dressing like men and women dressing like ladies and i even grew up in a family where it is like that it doesn't mean i'm going to say it is right even though i do not feel in myself disgusted by it i'm not irritated by it but i live by faith and i would say it is wrong regardless even though i see all around me and i grew up in a place where i was exposed to the spiritualism coming out from the field of the television and the internet with the movies and the cartoons i did dwell in these things it was my religion that doesn't mean i would justify it because i live by faith the word of god has told me it is wrong even though i don't sense it even though i don't feel it i believe it is wrong and i'll stay away from it and also speak against it and this is what eli was supposed to do live by faith though he was not sensing it what does the word of god say the word of god says clearly What his children were doing was wrong, but he became insensible to it. Eli was not such a bad person. One problem he had was this issue of wanting peace and not having the moral courage to restrain and punish and do that dirty job, as they call it, or give his children the jacket. Remember, Eli was a man who had power in prayer. He was that man who told Hannah that the Lord had heard her prayers and that she would have a child as she had requested. What did Hannah do on hearing Elias was she went home content and happy and sure that she was going to have a child. Why? Because the man of God Eli had told her that that was the case the bible recorded that when Eli came to her when she was weeping and crying because she had no child it was when Eli came and told her go your way the lord has heard you then Hannah stood up from there she didn't sorrow anymore she was happy and she was pleased why she had faith in the man of God and he was indeed a man of God he had power in prayer it was his power of prayer that brought that son called Samuel he and Hannah. Hannah did vow. Yes, she prayed. But the man of God, you remember people like Elisha who prayed for a certain woman to have a child and she did have a child. That was just what Eli did here. And their name is very similar, Eli, Elisha. And Eli did the same thing. He was the one who had power in prayer and he helped and contributed to the to the giving birth to of that boy called Samuel. Eli never rose up in rebellion against the word of God, but he was wanting. He was a terrible parent. He did not have the firmness of character to reprove sin and execute justice against the sinner so that God could depend upon him to keep Israel pure. He did not add to his faith the courage and power to say no at the right time and in the right place. God required him, both as a father and as a priest, to restrain his children from following their own perverse will and he failed to do that. This teaches us a lesson as parents and leaders that God needs to depend upon us to do the work that we're supposed to do. Don't try to secure a name and great things for yourself by being the people's person who wouldn't ruffle their feathers, who wouldn't tell them their sin to their face, who wouldn't cause some division because you were telling the people the truth, who wouldn't ruffle the feathers and the nest of the church because you... Kept quiet when you saw evil. God wants to depend on people that can speak the truth at the right time and call sin by its right name. Not those who are so concerned about their image and concerned about whether people love them or not. And then they will keep quiet just so they can secure the approbation of others. We know that Eli instructed his children. But what the Lord wanted him to do was to restrain them. You see, parenting is a tough job and it is not for weaklings. It is not for people who cannot employ that street jacket and do the work that is disagreeable to their own senses and feelings like punishing their children. It is not for people who cannot have the mind and courage to do right and not spare for how the people feel. If you are the type who makes decisions based on how people feel, if you are easily manipulated by people's emotions, you will surely make a bad parent because you will get a lot of intentional and unintentional manipulation of your emotions by your children. And if you let yourself to be manipulated by your children's frown and their crying and their disapproval and their anger and their hatred, then you cannot be a good parent. You have to be like our Lord. Proverbs 12 verse 10 tells us a righteous man regarded the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. What is this tender mercy? A tender mercy that is cruel. Reading from Child Guidance, page 234, paragraph 4, we are told, Blind affection for those who are connected with us by the ties of nature too often exists. This affection is carried to great lengths. It is not balanced by the wisdom or the fear of God. Blind parental affection is the greatest obstacle in the way of the proper training of children. It prevents the discipline and training which are required by the Lord. At times, because of this affection, parents seem to be bereft of their reason. It is like the tender mercies of the wicked, cruelty disguised in the garb of so-called love. It is a dangerous undercurrent which carries children to ruin. End of quote. What is love? Is it to permit your children to do what they like? No, but love is what the bible says do not suffer sin upon anybody that's don't permit them to continue the life of sin leviticus 19 verse 17 tells us thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy brother and not suffer sin upon him and when we go down to 18 19 he says thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself this is a description of loving your neighbor as yourself jesus said as many as i love i rebuke and chasten. love is shown in helping and turning people away from evil by whatever means possible. In the book from Eternity Past, page 418, paragraph 2, let us see what Eli was supposed to do. He says, those who in blind affection for their children indulge them in their selfish desires and do not rebuke sin and correct evil, make it manifest that they honour their wicked children more than they honour God. Eli should first have attempted to restrain evil by mild measures. But if these did not avail, he should have subdued the wrong by the severest means." End of quote. This reminds me of Phinehas. When the Midianite women came into the camp of the Israelites and they made them go into idolatry and fornication, That tens of thousands of people died that day and there was this prince who brought another Midianite lady into his tent to fornicate with her. What did Phinehas do? He restrained the evil by the severest. Means how he took a spear and pierced the man and the lady into the ground. And the Bible says that thus the evil and the plague was stayed in Israel. And the Lord pronounced a blessing upon Phinehas and said that there shall no man leave the house of Phinehas that will stand before him. Because of what Ed has did, the Lord could depend on him. And he was in position to do so. That doesn't mean that people who are not in position should try to restrain evil in the church. But parents are in position to restrain evil in their houses. And they are supposed to do it by the mildest means at first. Restrain their children. But when it gets out of hand, by the severest means. they Just like they say in the countries and the nations, we don't negotiate with terrorists. What we need to understand is that children are sports of the devil they are always being tempted they need your help when you see them doing evil don't look at it as something that oh they are are angry with me I don't want them to get angry with me I'm afraid of correcting them no they are calling out for your help the devil is getting them that's why you see them throwing the fit. that's why you see them throwing the tantrum that's why you see their face change when you do them the right thing it is none other than Satan who is trying to make them do evil help them out they are calling for your help they cannot tell you help me they don't know what is good. That's why you see them cry. The devil is trying to pr- trying to make them do things that's not for them to do. Reading from counsels to parents and teachers. Reading from page 118, paragraph 2, we are told. Children who have not experienced the cleansing power of Jesus are the lawful prey of the enemy, and the evil angels have easy access to them. Some parents are careless and suffer their children to grow up with but little restraint. Parents have a great work to do in the matter of correcting and training their children and in bringing them to God and claiming His blessing. By the untiring faithful efforts of the parents and the blessing and grace bestowed upon the children in response to the prayers of the parents, the power of the evil angels may be broken and the sanctifying influence shed upon the children. Thus, the powers of darkness will be driven back." Eli reminds me of Aaron and of parents who seem to be bereft of their reason and manifest a blind love for their children that they cannot stop them from doing wrong. But what is the underlying cause of this lack of power? Many times it is selfishness. Parents who had children because they were looking for something to love and who will give them love in return, who love to be told that they are nice who love to be loved by the smiles of their child, will obtain it at any cost, even if it means doing wrong to the child. This kind of reminds me of what Aaron did to the children of Israel. He craved to be seen as a good leader, so much that when he saw that the golden calf pleased the people, he put all his skill and might into making an altar for the people that they didn't request for, just so that they can have they are, they are filled and they will love him more. And he organized a party for them so that they can love him more. When Moses came down from the mountain, he asked Aaron a question. Exodus 32 verse 21. Moses said unto Aaron, What did these people unto thee that thou hast brought so great sin upon them? To the parents who are not restraining their children today, the same question is asked. What did these children unto you? that you have brought such great sin upon them, that you permit them to continue. I have seen parents give to their children food that they know is not good for them, just because they clamored for it, and threw a tantrum. Is this good parenting? No, it isn't. We need to be like our Father in heaven. It is not every request that he gives to us. Reading book of James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, You want things, but you cannot have them so you are ready to kill you strongly desire things but you cannot get them so you quarrel and fight like children throwing a tantrum you do not have what you want because you do not ask god for it and when you ask you do not receive it because your motives are bad you ask for things to use for your own pleasures What do we learn from here? God does not answer our request when we ask for things that are not good for us. Things that we know is going to be used for our own pleasures that will not benefit us. The Lord knows it and then he does not give it to us. Even if you don't know it. He risks, God risks being called wicked. And many people call him wicked for that. Why did you allow this? Why did you permit that? Why didn't you give me this? Why didn't you give me that? But he's not going to shake because he knows what is good for us. He risks being hated. But yet he does it nonetheless because it is for our good. Many parents don't want to take this risk, but we are learning today that we should do it. In the book of Exodus 32 verse 21, like we read earlier, it says, Moses said unto Aaron, What did these people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? What, are, what have the children done to you that you allow them and you bring allow them to continue in sin like this? If we have the well-being and progress of the children at heart, we will not see them doing something for which we know that they will perish and still permit them to continue but many people who do this they call it love you see the child requesting for something he has already eaten and then he wants more and you know what he has eaten is enough and then you give him more and you say it's love they come mommy daddy i need this and you know that in their request is not good for them and you are blinded by affection and you give them what they want. Are you, are you really loving them? No, you are not. Child guardians, page 236, paragraph 2, tells us it should be made plain that the government of God knows no compromise with evil. Neither in the home nor in the school should disobedience be tolerated. No parent or teacher who has at heart the well-being of those under his care will compromise with the stubborn self-will that defies authority or resort to subterfuge or evasion in order to escape obedience. It is not love, but sentimentalism that palters with wrongdoing, seeks by coaxing or bribes to secure compliance, and finally accepts some substitutes in place of the thing required. End of quote. Going now, page 234 paragraph 2 of child guardians it says to allow a child to follow his natural impulses is to allow him to deteriorate and to become proficient in evil wise parents will not say to their children follow your own choice go where you will and do what you will but listen to the instruction of the lord that's what they will say to them wise rules and regulations must be made and enforced that the beauty of the home life may not be spoiled end of quote and this is where parents don't want to get into the business of enforcing not all parents of course some parents don't want to go into the business of enforcing you don't just make rules make wise rules and regulations and then enforce them what does enforcement mean when you see the police what are they doing that is they are monitoring And they are seen to ensure that the laws that have been made is followed. And when someone doesn't follow it, what does the police do? They come and bring it to the person's attention. And when it is brought to the person's attention, they describe it for them and say, this is what you did wrong. And then from there, they take action. And that's what parents are to do. Take action when you see that the rules that have been made and the regulations have been violated. You don't let it go without doing something about it. You can start with instructing and start with mild Means of of uh, restraint before you go to the severest ones, in parenting you first of all start with instruction, give advice and counsel, teach, educate. When there's a violation of the law that has been given, it should be called to at the attention of the child, and a warning should be given. And after persistent violation, then you have to go into restraint, mild restraint. After that, then if it gets too bad, you have to go to the severest means. An example of mild restraint can be the rod. The Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 13, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Child Guardians page 250, paragraph 1 and 2 says, The rod is sometimes necessary. The mother may ask, Shall I never punish my child? Weeping may be necessary when other resorts fail, yet she should not use the rod if it is possible to avoid doing so. But if milder measures prove insufficient, punishment that will bring the child to its senses should, in love, be admonished, not in anger, in love frequently one such correction will be enough for a lifetime to show the child that he does not hold the lines of control end of quote so that's just an example of a mild means of restraint doesn't mean a mild means of training before you come into restraint because restraint has various ways of doing it but this is just a mild one some people when you hear when they hear the rod or whipping they are imagining something nasty depends on how you want to do it just to bring the child to his senses but then you can do it in a mild way or in a severe way, depending on the nature of the crime. Sometimes parents can have children who are so unruly, so stubborn, like Hopni and Phineas. What do you do to such children? Now, here's an advice for us. Reading from Child Guidance, page 241, paragraph 1 and 2, we are told, sometimes we are counseled to let the child leave the house instead of remaining in, sub- in insubordination. The reading says Some indulgent, ease-loving parents fear to exercise wholesome authority over their unruly sons, lest they they run away from home. It would be better for some to do this than to remain at home, to live upon the bounties provided by the parents, and at the same time trample upon all authority both human and divine. It might be a most profitable experience for such children to have to the full that independence which they think so desirable to learn that it costs exertion to live. Let the parents say to the boy who threatens to run away from home, My son, if you are determined to leave home rather than comply with just and proper rules, we will not hinder you. If you think to find the world more friendly than the parents who have cared for you from infancy, you must learn your mistake for yourself. When you wish to come to your father's house to be subject to his authority, you will be welcome obligations are mutual while you have food and clothing and parental care you are in return under obligation to submit to home rules and wholesome discipline my house cannot be polluted with the stench of tobacco with profanity or drunkenness i desire that angels of god shall come into my home if you are fully determined to serve satan you will be as well off with those whose society you love as you will be at home so that's what the parents should tell the children going on in the reading now it says such a course would check the downward career of thousands but too often children know that they may do their worst and yet an unwise mother will plead for them and conceal their transgressions many a rebellious son exults because his parents have not the courage to restrain him they do not enforce obedience. Such parents are encouraging their children in dissipation and are dishonoring God by their unwise indulgence. It is these rebellious, corrupt youth that form the most difficult element to control in schools and colleges." So here is given to us a sample of what you can tell your child who is threatening to leave the house because you are giving, in, giving them rules and regulations that they must abide by and what if they say okay I'm not leaving the house and yet I'm not still going to follow your rules then it may be wise to tell them you cannot stay in my house and not follow my rules you have to follow my rules if you are staying in my house and what if they continue I've heard cases of children who are in this case now of tobacco tobacco smoking and liquor drinking and people have to call the authorities to say please this child is being unruly didn't the lord say we should do that didn't the lord say we should call authorities for our children when they are doing wrong yes he did say that 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 is what should be done the authorities are to be called so that the child will not continue that in the house go and read it in the book of deuteronomy 21 verse 18 to 21. the stubborn child should be reported to the authorities and not to be permitted to remain in the home to do the evil that is affecting other people in the environment, even affecting the parent. It is not love to allow them to remain there. Hophni and Phinehas were victims of bad parenting. Eli should have removed them from office because of their bad behavior. They went as far as sleeping with ladies who came to make sacrifices and yet Eli still led them to continue in the office. And we are told Conflict and Courage, page 141, paragraph 7, that those who have little courage to reprove wrong or who through indulgence or lack of interest make no earnest effort to purify their family or the church of God are held accountable for the evil that may result from the, their neglect of duty. We are just as responsible for evils that we might have checked in others by exercise of parental or pastoral authority as if the acts had been our own. End of quote. Are you a parent? The Bible says in Proverbs 19 verse 18, Chastain thy son, while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying a time will come when there is no hope let us hear now and take correction and do what we are supposed to do in the restraint of our children let us pray dear father in heaven your words have been spoken I pray that your holy spirit shall talk to those who are listening giving all of us the grace to understand carefully how to apply what we have learned give us wisdom it's not an easy matter to bring up children and we never know where they will go, even when we do the best. Lord, I pray that you will give strength to the parents, that they will have the courage to do what they are supposed to do, in the restraint, in the direction, in the mild and severe restraint, all of it, to follow your word by faith. We pray, Lord, that as they exercise this control and authority over the children, and by your grace, you will bless the efforts, that it will yield good results thank you Lord for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering in Jesus name I pray Amen